0: We're going to be in Jeremiah 28 tonight, and uh, hopefully you'll take notes this evening. And, um, and tonight we're going to talk about uh, doing what's right regardless of opposition. Doing what's right regardless of opposition. And I think that's something that all of us can identify with because no matter what your calling is in life, uh, whether it is to be an executive of a humongous corporation, uh, whether it is to be an employee of a company, whether it is to be a stay-at-home mom, wherever you are called to serve, whatever God's calling on your life, we are all called to be obedient. And in those times of obedience, all of us should expect resistance. And so the, tonight, Jeremiah is faced with a very interesting situation. We've been looking at what Jeremiah had been doing, right? He had been declaring the word of the Lord to the people, to foreign dignitaries. And tonight, someone in this passage of Scripture challenges him in the sense that, Jeremiah, you're saying one thing, but God has told me another thing. And tonight, I want you to know that that will happen to you no matter where you're at. If you try to be a godly husband that, work, that focuses on purity, compassion, all of those biblical, biblical qualities that the Bible says we should have, one, the people that you work with will usually say something like, well, are you funny, right? You don't want to googly eye over this good-looking woman. Or why, why are you so compassionate? And on the other side of what the Bible calls a godly wife to look like, Uh, I'll never forget when I I worked at Walgreens, I would sit in the break room uh, after I had rededicated my life to the Lord, and you would hear groups of guys sitting together, and their conversation would be one way, right, about how bad things were at home, and how bad marriage was, and, you know, all this. And then on the other side, you'd have a group of table over here of women, and it would all be about, my husband's lazy, and my husband, and it was just like they fed off of each other, Right. And uh, it's no wonder that in a place of employment like that, you have uh, divorce rates that probably are uh, way over even the national average just because it breeds that attitude of discontentment. It's that way if you try to run a business or raise your children, people will say, your kids need to be happy, right? That, that's the most important thing. And I want my kids to be happy, um, but I want them to know what holiness is as well, and so tonight I think that this, this, these lessons that you can learn tonight and that I can learn tonight are applicable in every area of your life, whether it's witnessing to someone that doesn't know Jesus, whether it's trying to take a stand for what is right in a, in a world, and a culture that doesn't do that anymore, that doesn't care about the things of God. Tonight I really think that Jeremiah can give us hope by how God responds. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and left that conversation and realized that you accomplished nothing? Right? You've talked about it, you've presented the fact. So for instance, uh, no matter what your political leanings are, it is never a good idea for the government to print more money than they have the ability to pay back. And I'm not a smart man, but even I know when you print money at the rate that we're printing money. Inflation is coming. And, uh, you know, I'm not an economist. I'm a pastor. But even I understand that the borrower is slave to the lender, like the Bible says. And so, but you have that conversation with people. Even the facts, right? Well, you don't care. You don't care about people that are hurting. You don't care. Listen, I'm telling you first and foremost, I've got enough kids. The government is sending me amounts of money that it should be sinful. It's ridiculous. Now, I'm not going to send it back just because the government's a corrupt mess, but it's insane. I mean, it is absolutely insane what they are doing. But, friends, tonight I want you to know that the world is fastly or quickly, excuse me, fastly is not a word, quickly approaching anything the Bible speaks about as foolishness. Doesn't matter what the topic is, doesn't matter what the subject is, we are Foolish. What, in your opinion, and not specifics about the person, per instance, what is probably the most frustrated you have ever been in trying to explain something to someone who just didn't get it? Huh? Directions is always a good one. Directions, yes. <laughs> yes. <Give a> specific... <laughs> what is the most frustrated you have ever been talking about something that is Christian Related. Does anyone in here have a problem uh, in your relationship with God that uh, there are some times that you don't want to hear what He's saying? When you're sinning. Yeah, when you're sinning, absolutely. And if you don't know this or not, the Bible says that who sins? Everybody. All sin. So, you know, some of are not nodding your heads at me. It's like, I don't understand what that feeling's like. But... Uh, uh, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, which I believe that happens to all Christians when you get saved, uh, He is going to convict you of what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so it, it, it's going to happen to us. Uh, other examples in your life. I'm trying to let you talk more, you know, because every time I teach a Bible study and talk for an hour straight, you all look out, walk out of here like... So I'm trying to breathe for you to talk, okay? But I hate awkward silences, so it's not going to last very long. Well, I want you to start by taking notes tonight that this is the case. You should expect opposition. You should expect opposition. And we're going to look here in verses 1 through 4 about Jeremiah facing opposition. And it happened in the same year at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month that Hananiah the son of Azur, the prophet who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priest, and all the people, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. So this is significant if you know what Jeremiah has been saying. Jeremiah has been saying, don't fight this. It's going to happen, and if you fight it, you're going to be destroyed. You need to be taken into captivity for a season. And God has allowed Nebuchadnezzar to be what? His servant in this element of judgment. And this false prophet shows up in the midst of not just Jeremiah. Okay, He doesn't go to Jeremiah and just say, Hey, Jeremiah, we've got a different vision from the Lord here. Why don't we sit down, pray about it, seek the Lord's face. He goes into the middle of church... (laughs) <laughs> into the middle of all the religious people, right in the middle of Jeremiah, and says, now listen up here. Jeremiah is wrong. There is not going to be any great captivity. God is going to break Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to bring back all of the artifacts that you missed from the temple. He's going to bring back all of the captives and the slaves. Don't you worry. God is not going to let what happened According to the word of Jeremiah. Now if I'm Jeremiah, everything in me is probably like, I hope you fall down the steps of the temple, right? I mean, that's the most humiliating thing in the world, right? Is when you get up and give a presentation or speak to something that you think you know what you're talking about and someone gets up and says, "Nah, everything he just said was exactly wrong. It's one of the most humiliating things. That's why when you were in school, most people did not want to get in front of the class and give a what? A speech, right? And it wasn't necessarily the fact that you couldn't speak. It was the fact that when you got up there, you knew probably something was going to come out of your mouth that might not be what? Right. Right? Or you get up there and you freeze. Because what happens is we get up there and think, well, someone else knows more than what I know. Someone else might correct me. I might say something foolish. If you struggle with public speaking, just watch my sermons and realize he says all kinds of dumb things, right? If he can do it, anybody can do it if the Lord tells them to. And so this idea of opposition, even when Jeremiah was right. You see, Jeremiah was exactly right. But it did not stop someone from falsely claiming to speak for God. And that's what you see here. He didn't just say, I'm going to disagree with Jeremiah. He says, the Lord has spoke to me that I am telling you the truth. And friends, that is how the greatest opposition will face you in your life. It won't be from the secularist, the humanist. It will be from people who think they know what they are talking about. A fool that everyone knows is a fool can do very little damage. But someone who appears to be wise can do what? Great damage. That is in the secular world. That is in the church world. There are some people that you just know, right? When you meet them, there's no telling what's going to come out their mouth. It probably isn't going to make any sense. And you know I'm not taking their advice on anything, right? But there are other people that seem to have it all together, right? They seem to know what they're talking about. And when they tell you something, it makes you think, that's what I should do. And tonight I want to show you this because you have to make sure if you're going to serve God as a mom, as a dad, as a grandma, a grandpa, if you're going to be a soul winner at work, if you're going to stand for truth and righteousness, you have to know that you are speaking for the Lord. And the only way that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you are speaking from the Lord is how? This book. Thus saith the Lord. If the Bible says it, you should never apologize for it. If the Bible doesn't say it, you ought to be very careful giving God the recognition. Because many a people have spoke for God and God had no business in what they were saying. That's why the Bible says in the New Testament that for a false prophet, judgment is going to be much worse than just for someone who doesn't believe. Now, I don't know how that works. I don't understand all that what's going to go on in hell, but I don't want to go there at all, right? But I definitely don't want even more judgment poured upon me on top of that. And so tonight I really hope that you need to understand something, that opposition is going to come. It is not an issue of will it. Or won't it? It is going to happen. It's an issue of when. You see, Jeremiah got his message out. He got to talk about it. He got to explain it. And then the opposition came. How many of you have ever committed to do something for the Lord, right? We're going to be at church every time the doors are open. The second weekend of that commitment, you get two flat tires. Your dog gets run over. Uh, your grandma gets a ingrown toenail. And it's like, we just can't make it today, Right? Or you commit, I'm going to read my Bible every morning. It, it is not going to... I don't matter what happens, I'm going to read my Bible. And seven mornings in a row, your alarm clock doesn't work, right? You went to Dollar General and bought the premium one, right? Six different days and it still doesn't work. That's, there's not an accident in that. You see, when you commit to be that godly person at work, that, you've, that you're going to really live your faith, that someone is hired that hates Christians or hates you, it's not an accident opposition will come. I, uh, I tell the story all the time, and it's the best example I've got, and, and that's of us having a house full of children. And, and we laugh about it now, you know, but I can promise you that we have heard some awful things because we have as many kids as we have. I joke about it all the time, right? Um, but people will literally call you insane. And we've heard things that I don't I won't even repeat in church but friends I believe that for our family God said be fruitful and multiply for our family when I when I got hired here and uh, Gary was on the committee that hired me the only thing that I asked for was I asked for the ability to, to make enough money that if my wife wanted to stay home that she could and the church was more than generous to honor that request. Now my wife could say, Jake, I feel like the Lord's called me to go to work. Okay, that's fine too. Right? I'm not going to criticize someone for allowing their wife to stay home and I'm not going to criticize somebody for their wife needing to work to pay the bills. I'm not going to do that either way. I have my preference. I have the way I like it to be done. But I'm going to be very careful that in those moments that I should expect whatever choice I make, opposition is going to come whether it's my family makes the decision to send our kids to public school or homeschool, whichever God leads you to do, someone is going to oppose you. And so tonight I just want you to know that I'm going to say this. Buckle up, put your adult pants on, and just keep on marching. All right, keep on following because opposition is going to come. Any thoughts, any truth to that in your own life would you say? The same Hananiah that would be Shadrach. Uh, no. No, no. Because um, he dies here at the end of this chapter. Okay, so, yeah. so, you know, that would be, you know, and that's going to be our last point. But, um, but yeah, he di- this Hananiah, the Lord says, you're not going to live past this year. And a couple months later, guess what happens? <laughs> so it's not. And um, so my brain wasn't working there. So uh, from what little we know about this individual, um, we just don't know a lot um, other than what it says here. But the second thing I want to show you tonight is there is nothing wrong with wanting God's blessing. You see, we live in a culture where the television preacher has, has talked so much about the wealth and blessing of God that as God's people, sometimes we almost feel guilty when God blesses us. But there is nothing wrong with wanting God's blessing. Look what it says here in verses 5 through 9. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priest and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. Amen in agreement. But wait. The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless... Hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly Sent. Jeremiah is not saying that that is what's going to happen. Jeremiah says, I wish that would happen. Jeremiah says, I don't want the, the, my fellow brothers and sisters and countrymen to be taken into captivity and slavery for, for, for decades. I don't want that. I would love for God to be merciful to us. And it's kind of like Paul says, right? I would give up my own salvation for my fellow Israelites to be saved. Right as, as Christians, we do not want people to die and go to hell. If God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, if the Bible says that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, I should never wake up thinking, boy, I sure hope that he sends Jamie Brzezinski to hell. No matter what Jamie's done to me, which Jamie hasn't done anything to me, okay, by the way. But I'm telling you, there's probably been a few times in your life when there's someone who has hurt you or done something to you that it wouldn't have bothered you a bit. Now, you don't have to admit that, but there's probably been a time in your life when you could have cared less where someone's been eternity. I know I have. That's just the honest truth. But Jeremiah is saying here, I want God to bless the nation of Israel. I want God to work and to move. And as a father, I pray that God... Blesses my children, that He saves my children, that He provides them godly husbands, that He keeps them healthy. I, I pray all those things. But if He doesn't, and He allows them to go through trials and tribulations, my prayer is that He would give them the strength that they need to endure. It's nothing wrong for me to pray that God would send my daughters a godly husband someday, right? I'm praying for the rapture so that none of them get married, okay? That's what I'm praying, okay? But in what world would you wake up and say, you know what? I hope God sends my daughter the wickedest, meanest, cruellest husband that could ever be born on this earth, so he teaches her patience. Right, the Apostle Paul says when an unbelieving wife is married, or a believing wife is married to an unbelieving husband, that if they will stay, you ought to stay in marriage. Because why? Many times an unbelieving spouse is won to Christ by the example of a godly woman. That's that's the case, but I don't want that for my daughter. Absolutely, and that's what Jeremiah is saying here. I in no way am excited about the judgment to come. I want God's mercy, and I want God's blessing. But I'm not going to lie to you about it. And that's what most people want. Most people want you to lie to them to make them feel good about themselves. Well, it doesn't matter who I marry. It doesn't matter where I go to church. It doesn't matter who I love. As long as, as long as I find satisfaction, then you ought to be happy for me. And Jeremiah says there's nothing wrong with praying for the blessings of God, wanting God to bless you, wanting God to be merciful. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But never put your wants ahead of what God is going to do or what God is wanting to do because that's what he says here he says amen not as this is what's going to happen but Jeremiah says I'm human and friends as a Christian you ought to want to see your family and friends saved as a Christian you ought to want to see churches seeing people saved lives being changed as as a as a husband I pray that the Lord gives my wife and I decades of time together. I pray that every day. Lord, if you're not going to come in the rapture, then let me pester her for decades to come, right? Uh, Lord, help me to be there for her. Um, That's what I pray. But if the Lord says no, then okay. And most of us are so busy trying to get out of God's will for our life that we miss the blessing of what God wants for us God has a will for your marriage God has a will for your church family God has a a will for your life and you need to be willing to say Lord I pray that it is it's blessed I pray that it's good but God if you allow me to go through trials and tribulations I'm okay with that too I am okay with that too do you ever feel guilty praying for God to bless you Not much? Oh, that's all right. Do you ever feel guilty with the blessings that God does give you? Absolutely. But so tonight I want you to hear that. There's nothing wrong with praying for things to go the way that you would like for them to. But you must trust God in however they come. And if you can do that, you will find satisfaction. You'll find peace because there's nothing wrong with wanting the blessing of God. So we looked and we saw that you should expect opposition. We looked that there is nothing wrong with wanting the blessings of God. And third, we shouldn't be fooled by a great performance. Have you ever heard someone called a one-hit wonder? Right? They they they, they created a band or they wrote a song and they were huge, right? The the world loved them and they never did anything again. Maybe you've been watching a movie and you're like, oh, I love this movie. And it goes a few years. I'm like, I wonder what ever happened to that actor or actress that was in that movie and they never were in anything else again, right? They were a one-hit wonder. They had one good performance. And friends, we're the same way at church. As long as it's a good performance, most people are okay. As long as church is not too hot or too cold, I can put up with it. As long as the sermon's not too long, right, I can put up with it. As long as the church don't ask me to give too much money, I can put up with it. Right? As long as it doesn't really, doesn't really, it's not just awful, I can make it work. And there's other times probably you've seen things at church that were all performance. Now, we don't know the hearts of people. You don't know my heart. I could be in this for the money and fame, okay? That's what I could be in it for. You have no idea. Just like I don't know your heart, God alone knows it, right? But I like to think that our church service is, is not a huge performance. I'm not against churches that have it, whatever God lays on your heart, but I have no desire to be a part of something like that, right? I am thankful for Jamie. I'm thankful for our musicians. I'm thankful for the fact that it, is, uh, it has old songs. It has modern songs. I'm thankful for it, okay? I don't come to church dreading the fact... That I might uh, catch myself on fire with a smoke machine, okay? Now, if a church does that, I'm not saying that they're sinful. I'm just saying I'm thankful for what is here, okay? I know Jamie. I've spent a lot of time with him. And if the church would let him, he would do something else. But God keeps calling him to do this, and so he keeps doing it. And so, but we see in this passage of Scripture a wonderful performance, and the people take notice. Look what it says here in verse 10. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck. Jeremiah hasn't even got the yoke off his neck yet. That's how quick the opposition came. And broke it. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people saying, Thus says the Lord. Now if you write in your Bible, you can underline those words, or if you take notes, I want you to write that down. Hananiah says, I am talking as the mouthpiece of God. Even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. You see, the Bible says if someone speaks as a prophet for the Lord and it does not come true, they are what? They are false. So all these people that keep telling you—I uh, can't remember which—Kenneth uh, Copeland was talking about the fact that, that God was taking the coronavirus away, and that that the spirit of the Lord had pushed it away, and that no one else would get sick, and no one else would die. And guess what happened? Not that. And so the Bible says, not Jacob Gray, that he is a what? False prophet. Yeah, only got one. Now, he could say, I am praying for the Lord to work and move. He could say, I I have a feeling and a desire for that to happen. But when you say, thus saith the Lord, you are claiming to be the mouthpiece of God, hearing from God, and there is no margin for error. You say, well, Jake, what about the guy that predicted the end of the world? What are the guy that predicted this? What are the guy that predicted that? If they were wrong, they're false. You say, well, Jake, I just don't agree with that. That's okay. That's what the Bible says. You need to repent and get right. And so as a pastor, that's why I always try to say the Bible says. The Bible says. The Bible says. Why? Because if you have a problem with my sermons, and I I can't even, if you were at our business meeting Sunday night, and if you weren't, we'd love to give you the information that we gave out. We took out a survey recently. And the of you are going to get a kick out of this. We, we had a comment section on the survey. And we put the comments on the handout for you all to read them. Okay? And if you didn't read them, there were some of them that you probably went, that don't even make sense, right? I don't even understand what that means. I mean, I read through some of them comments, and I'm like, I don't even know if that's English. That's so confusing. And what people wanted was they wanted their opinions. And that's what we wanted. As crazy as I thought they were, as wrong as I thought they were there, that was fine, right? Because that was their opinion. I have my opinion. And there were some really good ones too, by the way. So if you wrote that on there, I'm not talking about yours, I'm sure. I'm sure it was someone else's, all right? But that's the truth. That is the honest truth. But if you were to write on that piece of paper, God told me. Friends, that is dangerous business. You can have an opinion. You can be led by the Spirit of God. You can have thoughts. But the moment that you tell someone, and I've heard it in church my whole life, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you. And friends, if that's the case, you better make sure 100% that you've heard that from the Lord because someone might just believe you. And you might have got wrong. I'll tell you, it's the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You know, in my life, I have, my wife and I, have. we've been praying about something, right? So when we first got married, before we got married, we had this discussion, right? What do you want for marriage? What do I want for marriage, right? And we prayed about it together. She says, Jake, I feel like the Lord wants me to stay home. Now, I know that's the common theme tonight, but it's just, okay. So I prayed about it, and that's what I felt the Lord wanted for us, right? We didn't write down, like Dave was saying, in a book and say, the Lord told us that she has to stay at home. We felt the Lord led us that way. I've seen people in their lives, as God has been at work in their lives, that, you know, hey, someday God might call you to do this or to do that, right? But you have to be very careful. And I've heard it in church so many times, it breaks my heart. You're going to be a preacher. Or you're going to be a missionary. Or you're going to be this. Or you're going to be that. And I believe the Lord just told me to tell you that. And friends, don't do that. You just keep so praying for him. The example that you gave with yourself Tony, mm-hmm. You went down that path. It wasn't a definitive. Right. If, if God led you in a different direction. you would it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my problem is sometimes is when God opens up opportunities, are they opportunities for me to go to or say no to, right? Lord, I'm praying for a new job and... A job at the liquor store opens up. That's probably not God wanting me to take that job. Maybe He wants you to witness there. I don't know. I'm a teetotaler, so I'm going to stay away from it, okay? But, you know, but I just think we need to be very careful that when we speak for the Lord, that it is the Bible says. The Bible says. The Bible says this is what God wants your marriage to look like. The Bible says this is what God wants your finances to look like. The Bible says this is how you should raise your children. If you will do that, you will put yourself in a place where you're where you're not putting on a performance, but you are presenting the message. But even with that, you have to be careful that you don't twist the Bible. Mhm. Absolutely. Particular wants or needs. Yeah. How many of you have ever read in the book of Proverbs where it says that the the wicked flee when no one pursues them. That's like the English Standard Version or something, right? How many times do you think I've used that to get out of exercising? So like in the Psalms where yeah. you praying for God to bust their teeth out. Yeah. How many times do you think that that verse is actually supposed to be interpreted as someone not wanting to exercise? Zero, right? And when I say things like that, my wife has always used to say, twist not scripture like who? Satan, right? She cuts no... No baloney about it, right? Because that's what Satan did to Jesus, right? Why don't you cast yourself down off the temple, right? The angels won't let you get hurt. Why don't you bow down and worship me? right? Why don't you speak to these rocks? You see, Satan will use Scripture and twist Scripture, and that's why this performance is so dangerous, because he claims to be speaking the Word of God. And that's why performances in church are so dangerous, because they have enough truth to hook people and enough truth to lead them astray. And so I want to caution you when you are looking for a church, when you are looking for a Bible study, when you are looking for family devotions, stick to the scriptures. Find out the meaning, the context, and trust the Word of God because the Word of God is accurate, it's right and it will not be a performance. And uh, I think that's something that we should all strive for is to be obedient to the scriptures, not the best performer in the house, right? And I'm not the best speaker in the world. You might not be the best singer in the world, but you can still honor God with the talents that he's given you. Even if you can't sing at all, the Bible says make a joyful noise and guess what it doesn't go on and list the qualifications of what a joyful noise is all i I just want to hear people singing jamie can speak to it we there's a reason that you're encouraged to sing with the words behind you we don't put them on there to prove that you can still read okay we put the words on the screen behind you so that you can read them and do what whisper them whisper them we want you to whisper That's, no, you ought to sing, you ought to worship, you ought to enjoy what God is doing in your life. You're like, what if someone hears me next to you? They can't sing either. And if they can sing, they don't think they can. One out of every hundred people will stand up and say, I'm a really good singer. Ninety-nine people say, well, you know, sounds like two cats fighting in a bag, right? You know, It's not that what it's about. Thoughts, have you ever seen that in church? where it becomes a performance more than a time to worship. What do you think is the most dangerous thing you've ever seen in that way? Yeah, As Paul says, right, we're all one body of many parts, right? I mean, I don't want to be the armpit, but I can be whatever the Lord wants me to be, right? The arm, that joint's pretty important, right? If you've ever had shoulder surgery, uh, it's no fun walking around like this, is it? With a big old thing here keeping your arm up. It's that's this part of your body's pretty important. It's not probably the most uh I'm trying to think of the word I should use here. It's not the most flashy part, right? No one usually walks around, look at my elbow. Look at my look at my shoulders. They are really look at that. That's a good looking shoulder, don't you think? Right? No. Nobody does that. But it's functional. No one walks around, look at my knee. Isn't that the best looking knee you've ever seen? No, but you get a knee cut on And some of you are at the age where I've been there when you had your knees cut on, right? I've seen what it looks like coming out of that. And so don't think that just because you're seen or just because everyone notices you that that's what it's about because it's not. It is not about the performance. It is about the message. It goes on and says, though, yes, absolutely. Well, I think it goes on in the next part here. Because even Jeremiah has to step back and reevaluate. And so the next point is the Lord will give you direction in knowing the false prophet and knowing if you are on the wrong track. Look what it says in verse 12. And I think this is the key to all of us, going to the source of truth. Going to the source of truth. Look what it says here in verse 12. Now the word... So look at verse 11. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Okay, so he went away and the people are sitting here listening. Jeremiah told us one thing. Hananiah told us another. What's true? And Jeremiah does what all of us should do. He gets along with God. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. After Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah saying, go and tell Hananiah, saying, thus says the Lord. Now you've heard that phrase before, right? Hananiah said, I'm speaking for the Lord. And God says, I want you to go and say, thus says the Lord of Host, the God of Israel. In verse 14 it says, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. I have given him the beast of the fields also. God says, I want you to take that wooden yoke and replace it with an iron yoke and I want you to go back to the same place and I want you to tell him that this is what the Lord said. And I think the only way that we can identify a false prophet is by knowing the truth. Most people get led astray because they do not know what the Bible says. It's that simple. Most people do not have any idea of what the Word of God says. And so, it's, and I'm, I'm going to say this tonight, and I know this is a Southern Baptist church, and it's going to make some of you mad, and I do not care, okay? Um, Beth Moore came out today and said, I am no longer a Southern Baptist. Uh, cannot agree with her stances. I can't agree with blah, 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 blah. And you know what I said when I read that? Amen. 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 Because for too long, she has been bringing things into our Bible studies for our ladies that didn't line up. That didn't line up. Things like uh, the roles of of male and female in the home and always pushing that boundary of what does God call uh, a male to do and a female to do in the church and, and always this identity. And I don't agree at all with the idea that the United States is more important than the church. okay? I don't agree with that. I agree that this, this nationalistic movement can be very dangerous. I agree with that. But to believe that God does not want the children of God to stand up for the sanctity of human life, for the fact that God has made two genders, for the fact that marriage is between one man and one woman, the fact that we should stand for righteousness in a world gone wrong, I just disagree with. And so it didn't bother me at all today. But CNN and Yahoo and and, uh, MSNBC, their exact quotes, and you can find them on the Internet, was that she had been set free from the oppressors that were over her. Bible-believing Christians, even though we can be wrong from time to time, are now oppressors. That is used because it makes you think of what? Slavery. And slavery... Should be condemned, right? Racism should be condemned. And if you're a racist tonight, I want you to know that you're not right with God. We are all equal black, white, yellow, red, whatever your nationality, God, we all came from one place, right? Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. I believe that. But it is all in the marketing, right? We're oppressors because we believe what the Bible says. And most people will not attack what we believe. They will attack the character of those who are telling it. And I think that's the number one way that we are to observe a false prophet. Jesus said they will be known by their fruit. They'll be known by their fruit. And so when you are picking a Sunday school class, when you are picking a church to be a part of, when you are listening to a television evangelist, One of my favorite television preachers uh, when I first came back to the Lord was John Hagee, okay? Um, As I started doing some research about John Hagee, I found that he had um, ran off with his first wife with a secretary, went just down the road from his original church and started another one, and took thousands of people with him, okay? We've all got a past. We all make mistakes. So I, at the time, was sending money, right? I believe Christians ought to give. Probably wasn't the best use of my money now that I look back. So I called his ministry and said, that's back way before I understood the qualifications of a pastor and all those things, okay? Um, And I called and said, I would just like to ask a question about this slanderous... I mean, that's where I was viewed. This slanderous material that's on the Internet. And his ministry said this. We do not compliment or comment on that topic regardless of it's true or false. And... That burned me up. Because if you've got a problem with me and you ask me, I'm going to tell you. The church ought to be the most transparent organization in the world. That is why on Sunday morning I invited you to come and do what? Be a part of what on Sunday night? The business meeting. Because you ought to know how God's church spends its money, hires its employees, how we do business with missions. Everything we do, you ought to be able to know. The only thing we're not going to tell you is what? Confidential information about people. If you want to know what the pastor's salary is, you can go right up there in that lobby. You can open up that finance report. And if you can do math, you can put it together. If you want to know what Jamie makes, what uh, uh, Daniel makes, if you want to know what the office makes, none of it's hidden. I've been in churches before. They hide it. They put it all in one big lump sum and nobody knows anything. If you want to know how much we spend on toilet paper, you can figure it out. All right, if you're upset that we use one ply instead of two ply, you can figure it out. You can make a motion to the next business meeting. I, I, let's give three hundred more dollars for the toilet paper budget. Right, it's in there under house supplies. Now I don't know the specifics of it, but we can get it to you. The deacons and I we meet every month, and we talk about everything. Every family that comes, every family that goes, we try to figure out what we've done wrong, what we've done right, what we could do better, and sometimes it's me. I'll be the first to tell you, sometimes it's me. Someone's not happy with me, and so they've decided to go to church somewhere else, and and the deacons are in here tonight, and I'll walk in there and be like, well, this family said that this is the reason. They feel like I did this, I didn't do it right, I wasn't there for them, I wasn't there enough, you know, it's just the way it is. Why? Because the church is the one place that integrity should be overflowing. And it's not. And so the question is, look at the fruit. Well, you look at all the messengers, right? From Moses to Elijah to... uh, They all didn't want to go, right? I mean, think about Jonah. And so I literally... I think that there are some people... And this is, I think, the difference between someone who has discernment and who is critical, all right? There's a difference, by the way. (laughs) There's a big difference. Someone who is critical is always looking for a fault. Someone who has discernment, God is showing them the faults, right? There's a difference. I, as a Christian, never want to wound my brother or sister in Christ, never. What I say to you, I say it out of love. But i've pastored long enough now to know that some people got out of the car already prepared to say what they were going to say when church was over it didn't matter what the sermon was what the spirit was going to do in their life they had already made up their mind i got what's coming and it's coming to you (laughs) and i'm going to give you the full measure as the bible would say and so i really do agree with that if i have the holy spirit in me have you ever been sitting in church? And a Sunday school teacher or a pastor made a statement and the Spirit inside you went, well, oh, that's not right. <laughs> that, that, I, that's, not, that, that's, not, that's not right. That, that's because the Bible says that the Spirit of God will reveal what to us? It's a T word, truth. And so I think we look for fruit, we let the leadership of the Holy Spirit lead us, guide us, and then it comes back to the truth. And I think the easiest way that we see that is the attack on the gospel, right? So, you know, and I get in trouble for this all the time, but it's true. Uh, There are many churches that call themselves churches that are not, they're cults. They have changed who Jesus is, whether it's the Jehovah Witnesses, uh, whether it is the Mormon Church, they're nice people. They live their faith, but there is a difference in who Jesus is. And so when you change who Jesus is, as Dave said earlier. It's not an issue if we don't like them. We probably vote the same way, right? We, we think the same way on a lot of stuff. But if you change who Jesus is, I'm not saying there's not saved people in those organizations. What I'm saying is that it is not the way, the truth, and the life. Because why? Jesus says he is virgin born, right? He's always been God. You can't change that. You can't say Jesus and God it, you, you can't change it. You can't say, well, Jesus is a brother to Satan. He was created. If, you, if that happens, it is automatically a false religion. If the, the church teaches or the individual is teaching that there is salvation in any other name, right? You can be baptized and go to heaven. That's what it takes. You can take the Lord's Supper, and that's what it takes. Now, the Bible says what? You're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast, Right. right hmm Yes. Yeah, because you had all these... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Gnosticism and other heresies that Jesus um, wasn't really on the cross when he died because the flesh was, was bad. I mean, that stuff started in the beginning. And Satan knows if he can just get a little bit of air in there, just a little bit, then he is going to make tremendous strides yeah, yeah, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that you can what? Grieve the Holy Spirit, right? And so I believe that. I believe that our sin and our flesh can, can battle against what the Lord is trying to do in our lives. And so I can hinder the Spirit of God at work in my life. I'm glad that He doesn't leave, amen? I'm glad that when He indwells us, He stays, the Bible says. And, uh, uh, and that's, that's the way it is. But we can quench the Spirit of God. And so I have to be studying the Scriptures, repenting of my sin, and in those moments, usually when I have seen people be led astray, it is not necessarily because they believed the wrong thing about the Bible. It's because there was something in their life that was quenching what the Spirit was doing. There was a personal sin in their life that was quenching them saying, Yes, Lord. It's in my life, that's what happens. I don't want to listen to the Bible. It's usually because why? It's speaking to something in my life that I refuse to give up. Last thing, and then we'll, we'll open it up for discussion one more time. The Lord will not be mocked. The Lord will not be mocked. Look what it says here in verse 15, and this is why, like we said earlier, Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. But you make this people trust in a lie. So he was having some effect. The people were starting to believe this because of what? It was popular. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. If I'm a child of, the, of Israel, I'm marking down the calendar, right? One year. Let's see who's alive at the end of this year. And listen to what it goes on and says. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. And that's how the children of Israel could then know who is right. Because Jeremiah said, you're not going to live the rest of this year. Right? It doesn't say that he died by suspicious circumstances, right? It doesn't say that Jeremiah went out and killed him to be proven right. But God will not be mocked. And I think the biggest thing for me is what breaks my heart is when people are led astray is the fact that there's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences. I have seen enough families driven from the church by the the stupidest of things and you just watch it, right? You just watch the side effect of what happens. Right. Well, you know, we got mad at the pastor because I, whatever the reason is, right? So the whole family falls out of church. And then three months later, right, you, the, the family breaks down and the kids break down. and It's just this, this slow collapse, right? And as a Christian, you should never rejoice in that. You should never rejoice in that. It should break your heart. But friends, we also need to remember that a false prophet... Is going to face the judgment of God. And we should give no, no ear to it. What does the Bible say that we should do with a divisive person? Warn them, warn them again, and then what? Have nothing to do with them. Do you think we do that good as Baptists? Well, you answer that one a lot quicker. Why do you think that is? They used to. And so I want you to know that there is a danger in false teaching. And that's what we're looking at here tonight. But there is a danger when we allow someone to live in a way that is contrary to Scripture when it affects other people. Right? It, it, it's the same thing. It destroys, it hurts, it ruins, and the people of God, if this church is going to be any different than any other church. It's not just going to be what comes from the pulpit. That is number one. It's also going to be how we interact with one another. You see, Jeremiah was sent right back to the person who had said that to him, right? If I was Jeremiah, I would have said, nah, (laughs) you know, let them believe what they want. Let them have their consequences of it, right? But he didn't. And so tonight I want to challenge you Opposition is going to come. There is nothing wrong with wanting God's blessing. We shouldn't believe a great performance. The Lord will give you direction and the Lord will not be mocked. Will not be mocked. And so Jeremiah was run out of town. He was contradicted. He was lied about. He was physically assaulted because he did what was right. And so you and I have a choice to do what is right as well.